We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. I apologize in advance. My voice is a little weak due to a cold and a post-game win for the Cincinnati Bengals uh, over the Kansas City Chiefs three times in a row in a calendar year. How are you doing? Excellent. I am doing awesome. I mean, what a game. Man, there were so many moments in that football game where it was incredible. If you're at home and you were just not a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs or the Cincinnati Bengals, because when you're a fan, all the nerves start to set in and you're like, can they do it? Will the Bengals beat them for the third time? Or will Kansas City beat the streak? Will they finally end it? It went so many ways. But if I was watching at home as a neutral NFL fan, just enjoying football, that was a great game. And it always is with Kansas City and the Cincinnati Bengals. And you got to respect, I mean, I don't know how much the Kansas City defense really did to stop the Bengals. Uh, they had the drop and some they, – they, I'll give them credit because they, they did make, I think, a stop or two at least to force a field goal. But what you got from the Bengals' defense, I think, is something you don't always get in these, like, high-powered offense games. You don't always get these, like, a sack on Patrick Mahomes to force a 50-plus-yard field goal that the kicker misses. Or Jermaine Pratt, they're giving up 20 yards to Travis Kelsey, but he rips the ball and recovers it. What a – freaking play uh just some big defensive plays and i think that's something sometimes you miss like when you look back there were a bunch of turnovers in that game it was like a weird one of the best games i could think of as a neutral fan was that kansas city versus the rams game it was on monday night football i think it was like 45 41 but the, the thing about these games are it's not as quick too like yeah there's some big plays but it feels like too smart well-controlled offenses. I know it's gotten the comps. It does feel a little bit like those Manning Brady ones where both offenses are just working to the nth degree. You've got two amazing quarterbacks just operating at such a high level and two coaches that are doing a good job. I mean, we'll get into it, but every controversial decision Zach made, and I know there's fans that don't like it. I loved it. I do too. And honestly, I actually, I tweeted it while, while watching in person, which is silly. I should be off Twitter, but uh, I said, I liked that they went for it. I just didn't like the call, but I want to say that Joe changed it up. And yes. I yeah. Call. Yeah. So the, it's called a kill call. Um, when the quarterback goes to the line, he basically has two calls. You've got your first play, which is probably just QB sneak. Like that's probably what they're going to run quarterback sneak. If you don't like the look, and the way the Chiefs played it, I don't remember exactly, but I assume they just had a whole lot of dudes and the A gap and maybe the B gap. So it's like, okay, we don't like this. They've got four guys committed to the interior of our line. I have nowhere to go. So kill the Bengals kill call. Hopefully, you know, defense scores aren't listening, but it's hands to the helmet. And he says, can, can, I'm canning this play to the next one. And the next play was a jet sweep. So Burrow makes the audible. Zach Taylor puts both calls in there. In theory, they both work because if they're clogging up the inside, then go outside. If they're clogging outside, if they're not clogging the inside, just take that yard. They didn't take the yard. I know a lot of people were complaining that they didn't sneak it. And I'm like, well, Burrow's the reason they didn't sneak it. Now, if you're going to complain, I don't like the jet sweep. Maybe let's get play action, get the quarterback something to do here because he's an MVP level quarterback and he show, he's showing it today. Um, I can vibe with that. But the idea that, they should have just sneaked the ball. 
well, that, that decision doesn't come down to Taylor. That comes down to Burrow. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, um, I mean, we, here's the number Zach Taylor versus Andy Reid. Three, you know, they start to say that's not luck. That's a streak. uh, (laughs) I know they're all close wins, but yes. And the Bengals, like I said, who holds the pen last? Who held the pen last? Bengals. Bengals are holding the ball. Each each of the last uh, three games, yeah, <laughs> three is a trend, as Nick said. Uh, the other uh, call Zach Taylor made that I want to give some credit to yeah. is he called that timeout right before the two minute warning. They were not able to wind the clock down to the two minute warning, so he takes a timeout because you don't take a delay of game there. But what he didn't want to do was just run the ball and let the clock just hit two minutes and keep rolling that way. He wanted to give his quarterback something to do there. He said, "Hey, put this game out of reach if it's there." Yeah. The issue is Burrow actually, again, and I think Burrow played an A-plus game. I hate to harp on him a second time. But um, I love the pass call because you're getting – the clock's stopping either way. If he throws an incompletion, as long as it takes five seconds because there's two minutes and five seconds, that clock's going to stop. The issue was I I don't know if Burrow was like – lost it in his mind, thought maybe they're at 203 or something when he he sits down and takes a sack and loses yards. It's like just, just throw that out of bounds. Just throw it out of bounds because even if it's not two minutes yet, it's like 201. By the time it goes out of bounds, it will be two minutes and it won't matter. But, hey, who cares? He throws a dime while taking a smash hit. And I saw it on Twitter, and it's something I, I agree with when I was watching live. I was like, was there a pre-snap penalty? Because <laughs> I see a guy running right at Burrow, and he's just unfazed. And he throws the slant to T, which awesome game from T. Awesome game from T and Chase. And we'll Everyone. Get to, we'll get to – P-Rod, all these guys. Uh, but, yeah, what a catch from T, contested catch, and what a throw from Burrow. Just tight window as you're taking a hit, not phased. I'm going to win this game. Let's not kick the field goal and just trust our defense to hold up on a one-minute drill. Let's let's win this game right now. And they did. Uh, awesome stuff. Let's stay right there uh, because that drive gave me a little deja vu with about 6.20 to go in the game when they played here for the, the the game that they won the AFC North on. And it was a huge upset January 2nd. And I looked at the clock knowing there's 6.20 and you don't want to get Patrick Mahomes the ball. The way the clock was starting to get managed in that last drive when they were able to stop them defensively, I thought the same thing around the two-minute warning drill. And now that I look back on it, I agree with you. Um, I obviously don't want Joe Burrow to take a sack or lose yardage. And he did during that. But if someone were to tell me, I don't think any other quarterback in the league, maybe Patrick Mahomes is the only one that throws the, for that first down. Yeah, like, I think it, it reminds me of Brady, of just like hitting that guy, even though I'm going to take a hit, I'm going to stand in this pocket, I'm not phased. Burrow, 80.6 completion percentage today, and that's with a drop touchdown. <laughs> I don't remember, and Hayden Hurst failed to track that one ball. I mean, that's... That's two of his six incompletions I can think of. And then there's the one – that one didn't count because of the penalty. Uh, I was thinking the one T almost caught, heel comes down out of bounds. Yeah. Not a lot. Not I can't think of very many, if any, really bad decisions. I think a ball got batted, mm-hmm. but that was on a weird drop eight to spy look. So I can't think of like Burrow through that ball and it's like tight coverage gets swatted down and you're like, oh, got lucky he got away with it. It's like, no – the Chiefs got lucky that he didn't do more. Like 80.6% completion percentage, 286 yards, two touchdowns. 
and it should have been worse. <laughs> like the the touchdown to Boyd, it's a play that what should have been a touchdown to Boyd was is a play the Bengals have had for the entire Zach Taylor run. It's called Raven. It's a pick from the outside and a wheel around from the inside. And I mean, when it works, it's awesome. You get that little bit of a rub as the offense will call it a pick as the defense will call it. Jamar chase just gets in the way and they don't switch it. So if that guy goes under, then you throw it over the top. If he goes over, you throw it back shoulder guy got caught and went under it's a walk-in touchdown. Nobody's near Boyd. And ah, just the, when the execution on these plays starts hitting like that, and then it sucks with the drop, but it just reminds you like, yeah, the Bengals can get to that. They don't run that play that often. They've run it for years, but they can get to that. And that's that's very fun. I, I think it's a report, it's an important reminder. Joe Burrow told us after their slow start, hey, you know, relax, calm down, everything's fine. And and Zach Taylor said it in the locker room last week. And he said, you know, they don't remember the September, they don't remember the October, you know, kind of referencing the December, January games and just how important this is right now. And it's early December. You want to know something that hasn't happened to the Kansas City Chiefs in a while in December? They're going to have to change that graphic because they always leave out January, but they never mention December and Patrick Mahomes' record. And Cincinnati does it three times in a calendar year and, and just proves. And honestly, and again, this feels a little bit like a hot take because it was a great football game by both teams. It's wild because there wasn't a lot of punting because every possession felt like it took six, five to six minutes off the clock. And it was intense and it was everything we thought this game was going to be. It was great that 90% of America got to watch it, but you have a guy like Joe Burrow. And at the end of the day, all of the MVPs, pro balls, none of that matters. It's big for the player and their contracts. And, and obviously they want that. But Joe Burrow is the MVP of this league right now. Ooh, man. All right. Tell me who. Tell me. Oh, I just have to look at the stats. Like I, I, I hate making the declarative statement. Joe Burrow is the MVP right now. Like, he beat he he outdueled Mahomes today, and he, Mahomes played well. I don't want to discredit yeah. like Burrow was insane with the eighty point six completion percentage and whatnot. Fifty nine, that's fine. But then he's eight point three yards per attempt. That was only a yard under Burrow, and he threw a touchdown. He had that. I mean, the run was cool from him. The the jump. Oh man, yes. Uh, I and to those saying I'm it was so a fumble, glad that, that that didn't matter. The the Patrick Mahomes touchdown didn't. I'm glad they didn't win because that image would be all over. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, but. To those complaining about the fumble, the Chiefs recovered it. It didn't matter. <laughs> like I saw the Chiefs player come out with the ball. I was like, "Yeah, I, I mean, like, who cares who who cares who gets the touchdown?" Yeah. But um, that was, I mean, what a stand that that was like a battle. That was a really cool battle because the Bengals held up until that that play, and they almost made it. Like Mahomes jumps up unexpectedly, but Pratt and Wilson, I believe, at the same time are hitting him. They didn't go low. They went like middle section on him but he jumped up over them and then taylor Britt hits him and the ball comes out but ah just game of inches you know um but anyway i so much to talk about in this game this game was awesome just neutral observer just football fan obviously yes and then as a Bengals fan i'm sure everybody really enjoyed this and i'll say it you weren't there but tony Romo was on it i loved it was he I loved it. I love what he's. No, give me a breakdown. We're, of Tony. we're big. We're big Tony fans on this part. Okay, I like. Well, hey, I liked a lot of the takes he had just about you know different things that went on. I'm trying to think back to exactly different things, but um, uh, I know he gave DJ Reader a couple shout outs. I'm always gonna like that. You love it. Yeah. <laughs> 
just a lot of the the quarterbacking type stuff that he can talk about with you know his experience and then you know seeing a blitz against Mahomes and what that's doing with the defense even the one on one. I thought the Bengals, you know, they was playing with fire and they eventually got burned. It felt like it felt similar. I don't know. I don't have too many exact Tony moments, but I just know while I'm listening to the to the broadcast, I never went. No, I completely disagree or something. The only one I could think of is he thought they got too cute with that two minute right before the two minute thing. And I I, I like that call just because mm-hmm. I like putting the ball in the quarterback's head. I thought the quarterback didn't do the best job with it, but just awesome job from him. He's just so excited to see good football. You know, like like it feels like when he watches Bengals Chiefs, it's like a friend, an extremely knowledgeable friend, but like a, a friend that's just like, oh man, this is just awesome. Like coming to watch not a Bengals fan, but they came over and they're like watching it with you. Just like, wow, this is so cool. Like seeing blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He's going to give credit to Mahomes and the chiefs and Andy Reid, but he's also going to give credit to the Bengals and Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and all these guys. It's like, I know he gave some credit to Lou Anarumo and you know, he's just, he's talking up the Bengals and he's doing it in a smart way. And I just really enjoy that. So what I love about Tony Romo, and I think Bengals fans, they do hear that. I think the Mahomes stuff when he praises Mahomes, which Mahomes is very easy to praise. He's Why great... wouldn't you praise Mahomes if you're so, a yeah. former quarterback? You see that guy, it's like, dude, what if I could do that? But it's just like in awe. And that's what I, I agree with him. Of course you're going to talk Mahomes up when you see him make a play. He is a great athlete and a great NFL football player. Him and Joe Burrow, Josh Allen are my top quarterbacks in the AFC right now. Easily. What? AFC? AFC. I think NFL. Tua was exposed a little bit today, but, you know, we'll get to that later in the segment. NFL, though. I'm all about it. But Tony Romo, if, if you needed a little Bengals praise, all you have to do is go back to all of the the, the championship, the AFC championship, and listen how he talks about Joe Burrow. Listen yeah, how he, he did it today, too. It's just – He likes he likes watching good football. And the thing about these two, the, it, it was all that Bills Chiefs talk, Bills Chiefs, and and look, they're still two of the top teams in the AFC. You, don't forget about the Bengals. And and the thing about Tony Romo, Jim Nance, Tracy Wolfson, they have a nice little record when calling the Kansas City Chiefs games. Uh, I'm kind of they've done them. all three, yeah, all three, and and good things have happened, and it's just absolutely wild. And I definitely just want to kind of dedicate this first segment to the play of Joe Burrow. And, yeah. and with- you, incredible A plus. Like I, I give credit. Where's you? I I I mean you could say A, I guess, because of like the decision to sit down and take that sack or not to run the sneak or whatever. Hindsight a little bit with one of those and the other one, whatever, one mistake and 98 is still an A plus. You know, it's a, a couple mistakes is when I'll move into A. When he's playing as incredible as he did, this was something Tony pointed out. Those the throws he was making early in the game are so difficult to fit over the linebacker in front of the safety and get the ball to drop. Like it's not just on a line where they can get knocked down. It's getting enough elevation to get it over that first level and then get it to drop down to help your receiver not have to jump up and take a giant hit at the second level. That's or second and third level, whatever. But yeah, uh, I like that you pointed out, and uh, I remember Matt Hasselbeck talking about how that's the NFL throw. That's the hardest throw a quarterback has to make. A lot of college guys can't do it. Uh, it's just different. And like that he pointed out, it was he was killing them on that. And eventually, Spagnolo is not a patient defensive coordinator, so he got out of that. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, DC, uh, and and shout out to Randy Moss. He keeps picking the Cincinnati Bengals. He's a day one. 
um, on those pregame shows. And, I, and we love to see that. I want to get a little more, speaking of wide receivers, a little more to the wide receiver room, the offensive line. And we got to give the defense some credit again with Patrick Mahomes and Lou Anarumo. We'll get to that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I apologize again. Have a little bit of a cold. Have a little bit of an NFL voice situation going on right now from an intense Bengals and Kansas City Chiefs game. We talked about Joe Burrow. I feel like he's he's making a run for MVP. Obviously, they have bigger um, thoughts in the future of what they want to do in the AFC. They're still that division is still there. It is still sitting there for them. They have a lot of, um, you know, the schedule gets difficult, but they're proving that uh, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Let's go to the offensive line. Again, we can talk about when the offensive line is bad. Let's talk about when it's good. I know you're going to go and watch the tape later this week, but what did you like out there just from watching it live? Pass protection. Thought that was great. Uh, they got, oh, it just felt like sometimes in those pockets, and I was impressed. Because uh, Chris Jones, I, I kept thinking that could end up like Cam Hayward on Cordell Volson. Never happened. Like he had a big stop on a run play. And other than that, I can't think of much. And he also got wham blocked by Mitchell Wilcox for like five yards. Mitchell Wilcox? Like, Wilcox got him, got him good, like opened up the hole and every on a P Ryan run. So shout out Mitch Wilcox. And that was before Hurst got hurt, I believe. It was right before he got hurt. They just kind of pulled him or they ran full personnel. I don't remember which probably pulled Hurst off the field, let Milcox run. And he gets this way block, which is when you uh, don't block a defensive tackle and your tight end just whacks him from the outside and uh, just open up a giant hole. It was really cool. I, I forget when you're at the game, you don't see these replays. It's I don't. like, it's hard to see that live. <laughs> it's hard to see it live. And then they cut to the replay of Mitch Wilcox, just blowing Chris Jones up. And you're like, Whoa, <laughs> what a block from a backup tight end. Uh, he stepped up in a good way, in an underrated way. I don't think anybody else is really going to talk about him, but I thought he played well. Offensive line played well, though. Um, they called some different pass protections with a lot of with extra blockers and stuff. You know, you have to sometimes to work the ball down the field against a coordinator who likes to blitz. But man, when they ran, when they rushed four, it felt like Joe had all day at times. And I know I'm going to go back and watch it. It probably won't be as good as I remember. But right now, my feeling was. This might have been their best performance because of how important the game was, too. It's not like when they – the Panthers was the best performance, I think, even though Jonah Williams gave up that sack to Brian Burns, just running for seven yards of carry and all that stuff. It, it was a lot of help from them, although Mixon played incredible in that game. When I think of this one, though, it's like, yeah, you probably beat the Panthers even if the offensive line doesn't play that well. Do you beat the Chiefs if Chris Jones keeps getting in the backfield – I think you could, but a lot of that's going to come down to Burrow being able to escape the pocket or escape these sacks. He didn't really need to, and that's and that was cool. It's funny because Ted Karras, before and after the game, is getting probably the third loudest chant at the stadium. People <laughs> love Ted Karras. They love what he's doing out there. And in the postgame show, I heard a lot about Alex Kappa, too. If there was anybody else, you know, we talk about some of the tight ends when they're out there blocking and what they're able to do when it comes to protection and the pass protection, what we saw with the offensive line. Who else stood out for you with this O-line just by watching it live? Oh, man. I thought I thought everybody played well. I can't think of, like, 
Jonah had the holding call and he got downfield too quick on an RPO. Like, I, I guess that would be the issue, but I don't remember him giving up any pressure. And then, yeah, I thought Kappa, I mean, you got to give credit to all three interior guys, right? Volson, Kappa, and Karras, because Chris Jones is a monster. He, I mean. He had this game circled. Yeah, I mean, I would if I was him. I'm trying to think how many sacks. I think he's already at double digits for this season. I'm finding right now 10 sacks. Yeah, he's at 10 sacks this season. Zero today. So that's a good game. I can't think of too many pressures either. I, I know Burrow escaped and scrambled a couple times. He's that really fun play. He doesn't hand it off. It was not a design. And he starts running right behind P. Ryan up through the hole for the biggest run play of the day. Just when that stuff's working for you, I mean, like that's everything going right. Um, yeah, I just thought I thought everybody on the offensive line played well. You know what was surprising was while P. Ryan, I thought, was okay in pass protection, he whiffed a couple times, especially once I remember, and Burrow got killed on it. They brought a blitz and he just didn't see the linebacker or whatever, he didn't step up. So I was surprised by that in a bad way, but I don't want to talk about that because it was Bengals win and I want to talk about the good stuff. And the offensive line played awesome. And I thought P. Ryan, other than that, was really, really good. Uh, Joe Burrow, we got it. We got it. There's a little post game quotes going on right now. And I have to retweet this. Joe Burrow asked about Justin Reed and he said it would, it would matter a lot more if he knew what he was talking about. And here's the thing. I feel like NFL players should learn. You don't poke the bear. You, you, you go back to the Baltimore Ravens last year. You go back to any of the coaches or players who can think we can stop Joe Burrow. We can stop this team. Joe Burrow doesn't have to say a word. He'll just throw on you on third and 11 when the game is on the line for the first down and you've used all your timeouts. And I think a lot of teams have learned. I think you can watch that game and know against Kansas City last year. It wasn't fluke. It wasn't luck. It's a winning streak. And people are starting to know that this team is right now getting hot offensively. And that is huge from Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow to this offensive line. Samaj P. Ryan has had to step up in the last couple of weeks without Joe Mixon. And it feels like they're not skipping a beat when he's out there too. Yeah. He stepped up. He's been awesome. I think the, the only issue with him that's a constant is just, I think. And Romo actually brought this up too. Doesn't have the juice. Like, He'll churn out these five-yard runs, these six-yard runs, four-yard runs. He'll get to like a nine-yard run, and but I I'd never see him really breaking off that like twenty-yard run when he when he's running through people. But look, he has been awesome. He's run strong. He's run hard. Lowers his shoulder. Drives through contact. Awesome stiff arm again this week. If we're gonna get a weekly P Ryan stiff arm, that's great. This is. This is what you want. As if you're an offensive coach for the Bengals and you look at we got Mixon and by ESPN's players, owners, coaches, poll, top five running back, and then we got this guy behind him. It's like even if you don't think Mixon's a top five running back, you think top 12, whatever. Like I'm trying to give a conservative estimate, top 12 based off what he's done in his career. You got P Ryan too. I mean, that's great. Because you can keep both fresh. The issue with Mixon was he was probably getting a little bit too much work early on, like we talked about, where, yeah, he's he's like leading the league in carries. And he's taking all these hits. And now he's eventually gets hurt. And I know it's not an accumulation type hurt. It's a concussion. But I don't know. I think it opened up uh, the doorway to a possible committee situation. 
sorry to fantasy owners hitting the fantasy playoffs in this moment, but I do think Piran has earned himself more playing time and it, he won't just be third down blocking back. I think I think you can put him in there for a few drives. And I've kind of been saying that for a while, but I think this game finally solidified it for sure. Yeah, you, you should probably split even their carries to more of an even load and their, you know, everything around even. Maybe it's like 55, 45, 60, 40 Mixon. I, I still think he takes the lead, but I don't think you can, I don't think you want to just leave Piran on the bench and make Mixon take all the extra hits. Yeah, and and you know we did a show early on in the season, and everybody wanted Frank Pollock fired. Frank yeah. Pollock is the offensive line coach. Frank Pollock is the run game coordinator. Things have taken. You know up. how hard it is. I, he doesn't get enough credit for switching the scheme mid year. You know how hard that is. It's like I tweeted about how, like credit to Frank Pollock for designing and implementing a scheme that's now working after what he has done his whole life didn't work early in the year. And then I get a bunch of replies about, well, he should have known beforehand and had it done by that. It's like, okay, so no credit for him doing something that very few coaches can do because he should have just had the foresight to know these guys can't run and run wide zone like that. So whatever. I think he's been really good. I'm glad they didn't fire him after weeks two through five, like people wanted. So uh, it seems like they've got a pretty good, pretty good guy at the mantle there. And uh, for people developing, yeah, Jonah Williams is kind of stagnated, whatever. Look, when you can take a late fourth round rookie who didn't look like he knew how to kick slide in North Dakota state because they never asked him to do it. And now he says starting piece of a Super Bowl caliber, Super Bowl caliber offense. That's that's development. So I feel like after 12 games, a couple apologies need to be out. Zach Taylor, when everybody <laughs> wanted him to give up play calling, when yeah. we talked about Frank Pollock. And then I think there was some criticism in the draft process of Wilson. What are you doing? You can't sure. get this offensive line pick right. Look, he's showing up for a rookie right now, and he's learning quick with this offensive line. They're all learning together. Really great point of the season. They're playing their best football right now. And everyone just feels like they're on the same page. And it's fun because sometimes you even think, oh, man, there are some plays left out where I get a little selfish now because I'm like, I don't want a field goal. I want a touchdown. And you know that Joe Burrow can probably make it happen. They can probably go down and score. It's not mm, we got to settle for three. We got to no. I, I trust that this offense is rolling and making the right calls. And that's credit to Zach Taylor. And that's credits number nine. Oh, yeah. I mean. Try to think anybody else deserve an apology after, after all, the, all the hate. It's like, uh, I can't think of too many people on offense. I mean, not even on defense either. I, I mean, I've always been such a Pratt stand, and he had such a great game today that people kept saying, like, pull him off the field for Akeem Davis Gaither, pull him off the field and get faster guys in there. It's like, how about you don't pull him off the field? And he goes and makes the play of the game. <laughs> you know, like he's been a good linebacker since last year and he's teetering on great. Like it's, I don't know. It, it's moving into a one, a one B with uh, Logan Wilson. I, I don't know if it's one, two anymore with these plays that he's making. I mean, the play to rip the ball out from Kelsey there. Incredible. Like that's, that's so hard to be able to get that. And he's always raking at the ball and he finally gets one. So awesome. I, 
I thought he played really well. And hey, shout out to Jesse Bates for veteran cram. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I was like, oh no, is Jesse Bates okay? And oh, then- I, I was worried because I was like, oh man, that guy on a franchise tag, did he just get hurt? And then Explain why he did that, because honestly, there was so much happening at that point. Oh, the broadcast did it really well. Uh, Yeah, they had two guys coming on the field. They would have had a 12 men on the field penalty. So Bates saw that and just fell to the ground. (laughs) He did a great flop. Yeah, great flop. I mean, he got me at first, and then they showed the replay, and I was just like, oh, my God, that's a veteran cramp. You know, (laughs) you're talking about veteran moves. Uh, savvy moves and it was a savvy time to go down with the injury not to save clock or anything but because you're about to get a penalty there's more i want to get to on the defensive side and we will get to that in the third segment i want to give some props to jamar chase and the cincinnati Bengals for listening to me they made jamar chase last out of the tunnel we kept looking I saw that, yeah. because they were calling offense and i was like joe burrow where is he looking for number nine and one and i thought they had him flip-flopped into the tunnel nope they go number nine, they announce the quarterback, and then Jamar Chase comes out. In the home atmosphere, I know we talk about it a lot here. It's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different vibe down there. And I don't know if it played a factor in the game, but it's the place to be. Leaving that stadium, the random who days you're hearing, the people singing the Bengals fight song until every player is off the field, it's just different football in Cincinnati right now, and it's a whole lot of fun over the last two years. But, uh, but yeah, honestly... I don't know. That was a lot. <laughs> Man. I mean, shout out to Jamar Chase for that last play where he gets the first down. Nothing was there. They thought they they thought Kansas City was bringing heat and they drop out and it shouldn't have worked. But when you just, when you have Jamar Chase, it'll work. I don't know. I, and hey, shout out me. I said he wouldn't be on much of a snap count. He wasn't on much of a snap count. He wasn't. Yeah. He was ready to go. He was ready. I, to I go. did my research. I, I felt bad talking about it because I was like, I'm not the doctor, but I keep reading these doctors and physical therapists saying, like, he shouldn't be limited. And I'm like, I'll just say it, you know, I don't think he should be limited. And he played awesome. Well, he, you know, I don't, there was so much made of it. There was the hype, there was the team ch- um, tweeting out Uno, there was the press conference Wednesday. I don't think if the team doctors didn't feel like if he was 100% that they would make this such a big debut. And we knew it was almost official when he goes full at practice the day before they announce who's going to go, who's not going to go for the Sunday, you knew, okay, things, things are going well for Jamar. And he even told the media, Hey, I'm smiling. I'm happy. I don't feel anything right now. And if it was that hairline fracture, again, not a doctor. Um, but if it was able to heal during that time period, awesome. Awesome. Because this is a great time to get number one back. And I can't believe his debut comes at such a big home game. And he was a factor. One of the things I liked about Jamar Chase, he got a penalty for it, the offensive pass. Oh, my God. I didn't see the replay. But but I love that Joe went back to him. Joe went to him the first time, and then he went back to him again. And then he got I thought you were talking about the very stupid penalty on the deep step. Oh, no, I loved it. You know how I feel about My mild worry with that was it was very – it wasn't – like a 100% touchdown. There was like the small worry that an ankle hits or something, something stupid. And then you get the penalty and now it's first and goal from like the 16. You're like, Oh no, that went from a sure touchdown to what's going on. But uh, because it didn't matter. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. And you know what, you know, who can talk Jamar chase. Absolutely. I mean, Hey, he tweeted right after the game. The two and I was like, he, this, you know, he, he, he takes some petty, uh, he remembers. <laughs> the thing about it, what I love about Jamar Chase's tweet 
is the team account retweeted it. Oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> That's a whole different ball game and we love it. They they may have unretweeted it, but right now it's it's awesome. I love when that shows up on the on the notifications on Twitter. But yeah, so far offense and we want to give more defensive love. I know we talked to Jermaine Pratt, a little Jesse Bates. We'll get to that more in just the AFC picture as a whole as of um, the Bengals improved to 8-4 on the season. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Eight and four, the Cincinnati Bengals. They are hot going into December. A four-game win streak right now. And I don't know off the top of my head, but in regular season, or I guess even the playoffs, they've never had a four-game win streak under Zach Taylor, right? Right. I think I saw somebody send it out that the last time they did that was 2015 when they started off like 10 and 0 or whatever. Huge, 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 huge game coming up with the Cleveland Browns coming to town. You're hoping to make it five. Oh, it shouldn't be a huge game, but like this feels like almost a bigger hurdle than the past two division winners they just beat. It's time. It's time. It's time to take down the quarterback who we shall not name yet. We will Redacted looked bad today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's they won on. big because they had a punt return the touchdown. Texans. Yeah, well, they got a punt return touchdown and two defensive touchdowns. I know. I played their defense slash special teams That's how they fantasy score. somewhere. Yeah, and the defense slash special team scored 31 for them in the fantasy league. I got destroyed because of that, but uh, who cares? Um, no, th- that's, how they, that's how they scored. It, they scored a, a punt return touchdown and two defensive touchdowns because Houston is full-on tanking with Kyle Allen at quarterback. Yeah, he threw a pick in the end zone that was terrible. He was throwing it at receivers' feet. He looked rusty. Um, didn't watch that much, but stats looked bad. His EPA was like negative ten for the game. It was, it was pretty bad. But uh, who knows? Uh, hopefully, it stays that way. Hopefully, you know what would be awesome is uh, Browns fans chanting for Brissett. <laughs> I said it. I said it earlier in the season. It would be pretty funny if Jacoby Brissett outplays this guy. It would be so total Cleveland move. You throw the bag at this guy. And who, you know, obviously he can get better down the road. I don't, I can't stand this man, but he's the quarterback. He's the quarterback of this team. And unfortunately, it's just the reality um, that we face later this week. And we'll talk preview prediction more of that in the AFC North as we get to later in the week. But we're going to move to the defensive side. Jermaine Pratt, you brought up a good point. My guy. The, the thing about Jermaine Pratt is you got to add him to the extension list. Oh, I know. Okay. Question for you. I don't think I have an answer. Who do you extend after the season, Von Bell or Jermaine Pratt? I think you can do both. I think you can get oh, okay. Von Bell. I think you can get Von Bell to, to make it happen. And it's going to, it's uh, obviously, I will say this, and we've said it on this pod before. We are team player. Go get that bag. Go get paid. Know, Same thing yeah. for Jesse Bates when he leaves. But for Von, Aren't you having a little fun? You want to say on this team? <laughs> Maybe getting a little bit older. I, That's I think the the deciding factor, though, right? They won't. If, they they'll move on. They'll move on from Bond because he's he's older. I mean, he's younger for how old you think he is. Like in my mind, he's like twenty eight. But let's find out his age because I think he's like at twenty. Oh, okay, twenty seven. I thought he was like twenty. He's like oh, God. he's gonna be twenty eight in like a week. All right, never mind. He's as old as I think. But but <laughs> the thing about that is. They they move they don't let you get old here. I know. Yeah. They don't. They they that's, move on. 
Yeah. And then I didn't think they're going to do Jermaine Pratt, but just with the way he's playing, it's like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, what's the franchise tag? Do you think they hit him with that? Do you think they just go long-term deal and, you know, try to do something so it doesn't mesh too much with the Burrow extension? And I don't know. But what I, what I think is that his play on the field is going to be hard to replicate because I don't think there's another linebacker on the team that makes the play he made on Kelsey today. It's I said in the offseason when talking about the extensions, and if you would have told me before the season started who they were going to extend, I wouldn't have said Jermaine Pratt. No, and I feel I bad so to say that. I feel bad to say that because he's proving a lot of people wrong. And I and thought he was good last year. I, I just thought it would be too much money in the linebacker room for them, but mm-hmm. why not? Why not just completely build the spine of your defense? DJ Reader, Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, and then you've got resources spent on Dax Hill up the safety. And that's just that is a tough middle of the defense there. And you still have Trey Hendrickson, Chido Bewuzier, and all those guys. But you remember the years when linebacker was a problem for them. Yes. And now you have a solution and they're on your squad. So yes, you have to pay a lot of guys. The conversation with Joe Burrow starts this off season. T Higgins. I don't know how far we're going to get with that agent, but the conversations are going to be open. They're going to be had. Since I then. really hope they extend him. Although that's, that's similar to the Pratt thing. Like the Pratt thing is the reason you wouldn't extend him is because you're spending too much money in your linebacker room. The reason you don't ex- extend T is because you're spending too much money in your wide receiver room. But man, is he good. He showed it again today. Great. I mean, he, He's the dude. I don't know. It's so hard to be like. Well, I know Justin Reed met Hayden Hurst, but even there's that connection with T Higgins. T Higgins made you remember who he was today. And I don't know how people forgot about T Higgins. He was the leading wide receiver in the AFC championship game. How do you forget the guy? He was a key factor. He's a key factor when Jamar Chase is out. The Bengals have two number one receivers on their team. They truly do. They do. That was my whole article, was that they've got not just number ones, good. Like, Teagans is a good number one receiver, and Jamar Chase is an elite wide receiver. So, yeah, they've, they've got a very, very strong one-two punch, 1A, 1B situation going on there. And uh, I hope they figured out Teagans. Because to me, the offense will remain afloat as long as you have Burrow Higgins Chase. Like, you'll be able to scrounge together everything else but if that's the three core members of the offense that offense is gonna be good offense it's just that's so hard to stop yeah and the thing about that is if you have that core you think about the guys who joe burrow has who joe burrow got paid cj uzama last year great blocker tight end got him paid you look at samaj p ryan who's playing pretty good football right now in in place of joe mixon and we're not even getting in that conversation both are good backs we did that um, enough. Trent Irwin. Trent Irwin can come into a game. I know he didn't have, you know, any – it wasn't too crazy tonight, but another guy who can make big plays because you have number nine at quarterback. You have a core with your offense. And I don't want to get into those conversations because you do get T. Higgins at least for one more season next year. Um, and, and and going forward, who knows what happens with that. I think a lot of people playing against the Cincinnati Bengals hope that doesn't happen because they don't want to figure out a way to stop this team because everybody spent money this off season in the AFC to figure out a way to either be the next Cincinnati Bengals or stop this Bengals team. And I think it's wild because one of the things I heard after the game is the chiefs have this circled. The chiefs want to figure out a way. The team that went to the AFC championship game four times in a row is trying to figure out a way to stop the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is a big game for them. And this is on their calendar. This is a revenge game. 
And it was like Cincinnati wasn't going to be there at all. And they came tonight and going up 14 to three. Yeah. Like it just, it, I don't know. It just felt like such a statement win tonight. Oh man. Uh, I mean, and the thing about it is like you mentioned earlier, you had the hot take. I, uh, You're I like the hot was, take. Off, was it on pot or off pot that you said that they should have won by more? And, they should have. Uh, I said it off. Off pot. Okay. You said they should have won by more. And it's like, when you think about the two offenses, which one was moving the ball easier? The Bengals. The, the Chiefs were having issues at times. Like they got that third down deep ball twice, I think, like a third and long deep ball and um, just kind of bailing that out. And then they, it just felt like such hard, such a harder road for them to move the ball down the field. They end up in goal line stand situations, all those stuff. Bengals, it felt like so easy for them. Like, did you spend money to stop the bang? Like to me, this Chiefs defense wasn't better than it was last year. Oh, yeah, I don't I think it was, it was on paper. I've heard, yeah, the stats say it was better, blah, blah, blah. I look at it on paper, it looks the same to me. It's just replace a couple names. Uh better corners, I guess, than when they played in the AFC championship, but similar corners to what they played in the regular season last year. You can't use the excuse this team's sneaking by them anymore. Like they did they weren't ready for it or they didn't expect it. Andy Reid respects this offense, I believe, because there are two situations. The fourth down and goal where they went for it with Mahomes instead of just taking the field goal. If Andy Reid doesn't think your offense is an elite offense or this is a dangerous team, he just kicks the field goal and goes up. Like, let's just take the lead. But he's like, we got to go up a touchdown this team because that's probably what they're doing to us. And uh, it worked for him there. But uh, the other situation I'm thinking of is – there was that uh, the third and one, it should have been an incomplete pass, but they had the ineligible downfield. He takes the penalty because he says, put him back. Put him back five yards. That I'd was rather so that. Silly. But it worked because they got a batted ball and a field goal. It, oh, it like, worked for Cincinnati, but I think if you're Kansas City, you're like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying that I, I think Andy Reid made a few decisions that uh, point to uh, him – seeing the Bengals as probably the the biggest second biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC like I think he does this against the Bills too so it's hard to say they're obviously the biggest threat because of how Andy Reid treats them but yeah like those are two teams that he treats different than even when he plays the Chargers I don't feel this way and I know that is the Twitter darling and the Chargers do play him tough but I don't feel the same way when he's playing them. Like, I'm not going like, oh, wow, Andy Reid is going aggressive. He is like, I got to take a big lead against this team. And he does that against the Bengals. Let me ask you this. It is very early. Very, very early. It's eight and four. There's still plenty of big football games to go. Who's your coach of the year right now? Oh, wow. I So coach of the year as an award, I think the very interesting thing is it's not who's the best coach. Mm-hmm. it's which coach has his team performing above expectations the highest. Like that's why Marvin Lewis wins it over Bill Belichick. Like Bill Belichick's a better coach, but Marvin Lewis won it because that team wasn't supposed to make the playoffs. It's going to be hard. It's going to be who wins a lot down the stretch. I don't think, I think the reason you're asking is because you want me to say that uh, it could be Zach Taylor to me. Nick actually said it before I got to it. You're to right. me, I'd pick Nick Sirianni because he's what 11 and one. The Eagles were, 
they don't have a top three quarterback. Like he's doing it with just good structure. You better be careful players. with that Jalen Hurts talk. I love Jalen Hurts though. I think he's a great quarterback. I just I don't like I said, top three well, quarterbacks I, I are, are Burrow, <laughs> Allen, and Mahomes. Probably Mahomes still number one for me, but Burrow, man, it's hard to keep saying that. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, to me, it's Sirianni, but then, like, if the Jets end up with 11 wins, do you really think it's not going to be Salah? And they do it with Mike White or something like that? Like, it'll probably be him. Or if it's, I don't know, the Giants instead, then you're looking at Brian Dale. It's like one of these teams that you didn't expect to be this good starts playing that well. Mike McDaniel, great candidate, because you have Tua, which is a similar situation to Sirianni, so I don't – I mean, I guess the Dolphins have worse talent than the Eagles, but, you know – Probably similar level quarterback play. <laughs> They're both good quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I th- I I want Zach Taylor to have a it realistic shot, but the team went to the Super Bowl last year, so I don't think that the voters are going to be like, "Wow, look at what he's doing with this team." It's like, no, that team was already good, and he's got him playing well. It's kind of the the build up. I mean, how many Coach of the Year awards has Andy Reid won? I'm going to look that up right he's now. Probably like, I don't need to win those. You need to expect <laughs> winning from me. That's exactly <laughs> it, though, right? Like he. Uh, oh wow. Okay, three. Never mind. <laughs> I can't remember that many. Like, wow. Also, uh, the most random stat is Kansas City has not won in Cincinnati since 1984. They've only oh, played a handful oh, of I, games, but I that's mis- so wild. I misread this. That was a different – the AP Coach of the Year, Andy Reid just has one. That's what I thought. 2002. That's how long it's been since Andy Reid won the award. Sean Payton won. <laughs> and he did that. In 2006, it's when they have these surprising seasons. Like when you look back at the last few ones, Mike Vrabel, 12 and 5. He was out Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. That's why he won it. Kevin Stefanski, 11 and 5. It was the Browns. John Harbaugh in 2019, the Ravens went 14 and 2 when nobody believed in Lamar. Matt Nagy, 12 and 4 with the Chicago Bears. Like these weren't the best coach that season, but they were the most surprisingly good coach. Jason Garrett won in 2016. Here's the thing. None of that matters. Not exactly. One That's None what of- I'm getting to is the coach of the year doesn't mean you have the best coach. It means you have the most surprisingly good coach. Like that's, that's what the award is. And to me, the best coach is probably still somebody like Andy Reid might still be the best coach, but I go with Sirianni because this is, it, it hits both where he's doing a really, really good job. He's uh, performing well above expectations. And then also the 2% bonus that like me, he is an Italian. You got me there. You got me there. You got me there. No. We got Anna Rumo. We got the uh, we got the defensive got I'm telling you, the Chargers, maybe the Broncos, they're gonna want to figure out a way to hire Lou next year. So oh man. Well, I mean, the Broncos have definitely a sitting duck head coach. <laughs> and look, if you are Denver, I don't know why you don't call Lou. If you are it would be Vegas too, if they had money. That is one of the funniest storylines that they can't fire their coach because they don't have money. Um but the if you are Denver, why wouldn't you call the guy that stopped Mahomes all this time and be like, we have a really good defense. Do that with us, too. Like, I'm tired of this guy beating us. And then he'll run the into the issue of having Russell how, Wilson. How do you hold them to 10 points and lose a football game again? They are yeah. absolutely brutal. And then I look at Russ, Russell Wilson's stats, and it's like they're not terrible. It's not like he threw three interceptions and no touchdown. It's like, what happened? I don't watch the Broncos. What happens, though? What happens that this this goes on? He's only got sacked a few times. He didn't throw any picks when I when I checked. It's like 
What happened? What, <laughs> what, what happened? How do you get nine points? What's going on? I, I love it. All right, all good vibes in the Queen City right now. Cincinnati gets a statement win at home, beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I almost like was prepared to say the AFC defending, but they're not. The Cincinnati Bengals are the AFC defeating. That's not, right. we'll say champions of the AFC. Obviously, not Super Bowl. The AFC <laughs> still runs through Cincinnati. They're still the Kings. They have to play the Bengals. Huge game coming up. Division game, AFC North at Paycor Stadium. We're going to have a lot more coming up this week. But what is going to be on all Bengals? Uh, takeaways. By the time you're listening to this, I'll have takeaways article up. Just stats, interesting stuff about the game and about the playoffs and division, all that. Check it out, all Bengals. Follow them on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.